Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Uh, welcome everybody today. You know, we didn't know how to build a show today because we're like, oh, you know, we should do a sports episode. We haven't done a sports episode in so long, but you know, you can't really do a episode about sports right now with also, without also making it an episode about politics, <laughs> geography, protest, black lives matter, the police. Um, so we thought we'll just do both. You know, this is a, it's a sports episode, but it's a news episode. We're going to touch on all of those topics. Um, this conversation, of course, uh, was prompted by recent events. I mean, really, there's a long timeline here. So I just want to, you know, make sure to bring all of our listeners up to speed. There's a lot of news to follow these days. So just in case you haven't obsessively read everything on Twitter for the last 10 days, um, you know, police officers in Kenosha, Wisconsin, it's a city not too far from Milwaukee. Um, shot a man, young black man named Jacob Blake in the back, uh, and prompted, uh, protests. The protests are still ongoing. Uh, there are a lot of conversations about the response and appropriate police response. Uh, this is very similar to what we saw with George Floyd several months ago, you know, a community of people responding with outrage, uh, to a really tragic and unjust event. But it has kind of manifested in a little different way, uh, than we saw with George Floyd back uh, in May and June, um, because there's been a lot of high profile support from professional athletes and not that we haven't seen that kind of support from professional athletes before, but, uh, it did start with the Milwaukee bucks, which of course is the NBA team, uh, very close to Kenosha. Uh, and you know, some members of the Milwaukee bucks decided not to play in protest. Other NBA teams followed suit, decided not to play in protest and it sped to the other major leagues, you know, like uh, WNBA teams didn't play in protest. I think uh, major league soccer teams didn't, it got all the way to national to the national hockey league, which I think was finally the point where I was like, wow, this is legit because the national hockey league is, you know, like 97% white people. If anybody could have sat out of this, I think the NHL could have, but they didn't, they took a stand in support uh, with their colleagues and in the name of justice. And it has created so many incredible events across the country country, uh, both moving and profound and very important for any citizen of our country, but, you know, particularly interesting for anybody who's a fan of sports, American sports. Um, so I invited a very dear friend of mine who's been on the show before, uh, Royce Wilder. He came on to talk about uh, hip hop a while ago around the time that the Wu-Tang documentary was out. Um, that was a fantastic episode. But I, when I was thinking about who to have on for this show, there was really only one name on my mind and it was Mr. Royce Wilder. So with that, I will welcome you Royce to the show. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here again. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is also exciting for me. Royce and I don't get to see each other very often. We don't get to talk that much. We used to work together and see each other every day. And then I was kind of like, all right, yeah, I get enough Royce, you know, and, but now it's like, I get no Royce. I got a Royce drought. So this is helping with my Royce drought. So doing the show is actually a, a good way for me to catch up with a good friend. Um, you know, I, I don't want to narrow the scope of this debate. As I said, there are so many issues at play here. Um, but I am curious, just kind of from an initial take for you about how this unfolded, right? Like I, I see a lot of ironies here in some ways. 
I am a 49er fan. I was always a Colin Kaepernick supporter. And it seemed at the time that Colin Kaepernick was staging his protests, so many Americans felt like that was just unfathomable. Like, that's just ridiculous. You know, athletes shouldn't be political. Just get out there and play. Um, everybody felt like, oh, you're disrespecting the flag. And really all he was doing was just like taking a quick breather for himself to send a message to people, a silent protest, really not disruptive at all, but people were infuriated. And he was a pariah and got ran out of the NFL. And we all know what happened with Colin Kaepernick. Now he's essentially a national treasure, you know, because he's been fully vindicated about everything. But this feels like a very dramatic turnaround. Um, you know, so many, so many professional sports teams in this country protesting in, in solidarity with the Milwaukee Bucks and other people. Uh, what do you think, Royce, happened between people complaining about Colin Kaepernick and what we're seeing now, which is almost universal support of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement by professional athletes, black, white, Latino, Asian, everybody. You know, what what changed? What's going on in the world, Royce? People started losing money. People started losing money. Um, all right. I would like to hear more about that, Royce. Please tell me <laughs> how people started losing money has to do with people who may have been reluctant to support this movement now kind of coming around. I don't know if the people that are were reluctant at the beginning of this aren't still reluctant. I just think that now it's, it's just more um, acceptable to be outspoken. I'll say that because there's still a lot of people on the other side of this that are like, oh, this is wrong. You shouldn't yeah. be this. This athlete, look at Brian Urlacher just came out the other day talking about the NBA play, like talking crap about the NBA players um, protesting. Yeah, and he's a professor. He's a retired professional, like a Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer. Yeah. So like, it's not like that's changed. That yeah. the complexion of this has, is still the same, literally and figuratively, <laughs> still the same. But um, it's just I feel like. Because money has become a thing here. Are you saying because there's more leverage just because of like the the presence of Black Lives Matter on like Twitter, for instance, that if a company is not sympathetic to the cause and they do a boycott, a lot of people will follow suit. So corporations are afraid to like stand up to Black Lives Matter, which they might want to do. Or what are you saying? That's a part of it. I'm not saying that that's the whole entirety of it. I think literally like. Things are getting destroyed. At this point, you know, built during the Kaepernick era, like it wasn't like people were going out and destroying things, or there wasn't the power of like BLM to be like, okay, just don't, you know, let's not spend money here. Let's not like it wasn't organized. I mean, it's still not very organized, if you ask me, but there was less organization on that part where like entities aren't weren't getting affected. And athletes also weren't coming out and taking affirmative stances necessarily to side with anyone and so if you have all these sponsorships and endorsements lined up with someone with a body wherever they go your endorsement goes there's a lot of different factors i think that align like aligned inside of like this struggle and i think it's a lot to do with money i think honestly that's what it really is i think it's part it's partly you know people do feel bad like the average joe who's seeing this is getting more educated because a lot of it is like a lot more information is being relayed because we're in the information era, basically. But like when it comes to like how outspoken and how projected and how like like it's basically sponsored revolution, basically that you see it all over TV. The NBA is like full on invested in it, but they should have been and they should be because they're literally a black sport for the most part. So, I mean, 
when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, yo, it's where your money is. I mean, that makes sense. We've seen a lot of recent examples of that. I think the Washington football team is a good example where for decades upon decades. Well, let me just hear my point. Just hear my point. Please get to that. The one. Washington. That's, that's a well, good story. I have, I have to tell our I have to tell our listeners that, you know, Royce is a New York Giants fan. So he has his own feelings about the Washington football no, team, which might know. That. It's okay. not that. It's based it's, on yeah. this ownership and, it's and what's going on. based on ownership and well, racism. Well, that organization. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, you know what's going on with that organization right now. Well, right? let me just let me just oh, give yeah. let me make yeah. the one point <laughs> real quick and then I'm going to hand you the reins. Uh, you know, for years, years and years, decades even, people have said, you know, uh, calling your team the Redskins, that's a slur. That's a racial slur. It's insulting to indigenous people and Native American people. You guys need to change your name. Uh, and that organization for years and years and decades and decades has just said like, no, no way. We're not changing the name. We're keeping the name. This is the name of our franchise. It reflects poorly on their ownership. Uh, so we all know that drama. That drama has now taken a turn, which is, and this came from what you're saying, money. They were going to lose no. the sponsor. No. Well, my understanding, fine. Let me just say my understanding. <laughs> FedEx, FedEx was like, hey, we're getting a lot of pressure from people because we sponsor a football team with a racist name. So we're going to pull out unless you guys change your name. And then finally, Washington was like, oh, maybe we don't want to lose a sponsor. And that's my understanding. Please educate me, Royce, about why that's not the, not the case. That's a part of it. But Daniel Snyder is in a lot of hot water right now because of like 42 sexual harassment claims. Yeah. That organization is right now burning and what better way to kind of try to save face and make the league look better by changing your name and it's how rebrand yeah right. yeah like right. right now it's like oh this will take some of the attention off of the off of the women that we've been treating like crap for however long this scandals are crazy too it's like stuff with cheerleaders and um nude photos and holding passports and so this uh, is a this is a switch uh, the focus move where it's like we're under fire because we're disgusting pigs who treat women like garbage yeah uh, we don't want to get let have that be the main story we want the main story to be oh you know washington football team finally decided to drop their racist moniker that's fair that's a good point that i didn't include up top that's true that's a part of it yeah though. it's not yeah. like simply because i think also it's, in, it's very interesting because the NFL hasn't made – if they really cared about any of these things, the NFL, if it was in their best interest as a league, if the owners agreed that this was a problem, uh, just the name or even the sexual harassment stuff, they could have ousted the owner. They could have voted to get him out. But yeah. you notice, like, it's not like in the situation with, like, a Donald Stern – I mean, Sterling, you know, where he yeah. – the whole yeah. thing with, the Clippers, again, yeah. another example. Now that you're a Clippers fan, that should right. be even more relevant to you. Right. So, like um, – Sterling got ousted not because of the racial things that he was saying, I don't think. I think it's honestly like the owners had enough of him. They just wanted so, to get rid of him, and that was their excuse. That was a great excuse. It's like yeah. you, you created – you you, you yeah. shot yourself yeah. in the foot this time. Exactly. Can, now walk, it, walk yourself out. Like, and yeah. That, that's kind of like what was going on. So, But in this situation, like you got an, a, a, a team that since Snyder took over, like, you know, they've been saying this Redskin thing. I mean – we didn't when we were coming up. We didn't even think about it because it was just normalized, right? Like we I said, kids. Redskins all the time. I didn't even think about it. Right. I was like, oh yeah, the Redskins are in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, the Redskins are in the playoffs. Like it didn't. I knew, I guess, ostensibly, but again, you become conditioned. You get raised in a certain way. You're like, oh well, they wouldn't name a, a football team that if it was racist. Like it just didn't. Like you're saying, did not occur to me. A full blind spot, right. you know. But that's that's again, that gives credence.
credence and virtue to, you know, people who are politically active. Right. So it's like I have to give credit to all the Native American people and indigenous people who are like, yo, this is wrong. This is wrong. And kept making noise about it until people like you and me who maybe thought it was normal realized like, oh, wait a minute. You know what I mean? And in some ways it circles back to your point, which, you know, yeah, money, money's legit. Right. I don't expect any corporation to have a conscience because capitalism doesn't have a conscience. You know what I mean? So I just assume that any corporation or any corporate entity is only going to do what's in their best interest for money. But that means that as consumers, we do have leverage because we can put pressure on, you know, it's the same thing as government. I don't think government has a conscience either. Government is just like, well, I don't know who's going to vote for me. What's popular right now? You know, it's like, oh, people don't like immigrants. All right, let me just go after immigrants. That'll get me elected. Or like, you know, women care about, you know, the right to choose. Let me make that my platform. I don't think that there are Democratic politicians who really give a shit about abortion either way. They just know that they can create a constituency by saying that they support it or don't support it. Right. Right. So government doesn't have a conscience. Corporations don't have a conscience. I'm not looking for them to. What I'm looking for is for us as people, as consumers and voters to tell governments and corporations what to do, which seems like kind of a little bit like what's happening now. And that's why I might sound naive. That's why I'm kind of excited about it. I'm kind of like, yo, it's working a little bit. Right. I don't know if it's working. I think it's just like you ride the wave. And right now, like, I don't want to say any names about any other corp, any any corporations because I get you know some some kind of deals from some. But <laughs> what I will say is that like people will they take advantage of situations as they're afforded to them, right? So, and that's the same thing with corporations. In this regard, I will say that I agree that corporations are a person because they act like people do in this regard. Yeah. If an opportunity is afforded to you, then you will take advantage of it. You take advantage yeah. of the weaknesses, and that's what they do. So if Right now, let's say like uh, any NBA player, or like I don't know. What, let's see. What, I mean, LeBron's not. I'm not going to talk crap about LeBron, but LeBron <laughs> is not a great example. I was going to say something like use him as an example. I'll, I'll just think of someone else um, in another sport. Let's say Bryce Harper. Anybody. I'm not saying that he would ever do this, but let's say if Bryce Harper was like, I won't play tomorrow because he's a big enough name unless you do X, Y, Z. Right. Yeah. And my whatever sponsorship, Gatorade, whatever it is, I need you to be behind me. Gatorade is going to do whatever they can to promote whatever, like his, what's going to accelerate him to to a fan base that will stick behind him because it's, a, it's beneficial to them as well. You know, or, like, or they, they could sever ties. their ties with him. But there's, there's less is... likely to do that now because you're selling your products. You're, you know, people, they, I think corporations realize now that the, the product is going to sell, right? But what's going to accelerate the use of the product is the person that's pushing it. They need a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. And unless the person. For instance, something- let's say let's say Bryce Harper. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I feel bad. I don't like Bryce Harper, but I do feel bad beating up on him. But I'll do it anyway. Um, let's say Bryce Harper was like, boom, I love Trump. I hate immigrants. Um, I'm tired of Black Lives Matter. This is some bullshit. Uh, I'm leaving you, Gatorade, unless you come out and say we don't like immigrants and we don't like Black Lives Matter. You know, Gatorade is like, ooh, Bryce, so I don't know if we can do that right the now. The metrics not- behind it is what, what's going to matter in that regard, right? So you're yeah. going to look at, like, what group of people like, – because right now, the younger generation is not going to go in that direction. Yeah. So, so you're going to thinking look, about the future. You're thinking about the future. So they, yeah. they would cut ties with someone that did that because the younger demographic is not going to – like, Generation Z is way more proactive and progressive. 
Yeah. Right? As opposed to like even our generation. So well, so then in that sense, aren't they just adapting? Aren't they recognizing like, oh, all these old crackers are not buying sneakers anymore. The people who are buying sneakers are like, even if it's a suburban 14 year old white kid is like a person with a political conscience. So we got to get with the times. You know, it's like, I, again, I don't think that, you know, uh, Reebok is a, a corporation that thinks, you know what? Ooh, this Black Lives Matter is important. We need to support it. I think they're just like, we got to get with the times, man. Nah, you know that I mean? That's not necessarily the case because like, look at Adidas. I mean, Reebok is under Adidas also, but I didn't even look know at, that. Look at Adidas and look at Kanye. Kanye's a Trump guy. It's not like Adidas is like, oh, we're severing ties with Kanye. Why? Because Is a he a Trump guy or just yeah, like a person I mean, who's unwell? He's unwell, but he pushes that narrative. And also he's he like... He makes that both. He makes that he's both a Trump guy and unwell. I mean, I, I mean, those two things go hand in hand. But, <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't know who's listening to this. I don't know who's listening to this, this That's podcast. a fair point they to might, make. That's a, that's a fair a point to upset. make, Royce. But I'm just saying, like, he's like, he is who he is. And it's not like Adidas is like, oh, we're going to sever ties with this outlandish character because he brings in bank. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't thought really about matter. it though. I mean, you gotta assume that Adidas had they some emer- thought about it emergency meetings where they're like, "Yo, do we have to make a decision right now? Do we cut mm. Kanye right now?" Nope, he brought in too much money from the jump. They was never gonna cut. Adidas time, was so irrelevant before Kanye came in, and they owe. It's true, Eming. Don't make that face. Adidas was like a like this like they were in a serious slump. It was just Nike all day every day, and they had a real renaissance over the past whatever five to seven years you know i see more kids wearing like adidas runners now even than just like you know like air maxes like it's crazy and that's all due to kanye's involvement so yeah not necessarily i won't give him all that credit so that's part of that he gets a lot of it he gets a lot of yeah but it's also like them stealing designers from nike well yeah they did. But they got a bunch of dudes to, to jump ship, and that's how they yeah. got Ultra Boost. Like, that's yeah. what happened. They oh, got a good technology. We can talk sneakers. I mean, sneakers are sports. It's all relevant. It's, it's all, all relevant. the same thing. I mean, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned sneakers because I want to use my favorite example, um, which is I know everybody now, there's like this Jordan renaissance happening because of the miniseries. And, you know, Jordan's great. You can't really argue with it, man. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. He's probably the best basketball player of all time. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. I don't want to have that conversation with you necessarily. You know you're not going to win that argument. (laughs) But, um, uh, like, that's kind of indisputable. But, you know, one kind of personal hang-up for me was a couple things. One, you know, I've, I've always been interested in juvenile justice. I've always been interested in criminal justice. It's a very important personal issue to me. And, you know, people are like, oh, damn, Jordan invests in youth prisons, right? That was like a big controversy that came out years ago. Part of his portfolio was, was youth prisons, right? It's not even true, though. All right. Well, okay. Then I'll then nix that point. Let's use, <laughs> let's use the next point, right? Uh, which was, and you're going to correct me on the exact quote, but um, you know, from what I understand, and this was in the miniseries, so I'm just giving you a very broad overview. Listener, Jordan fans, Chicago people, don't get at me about this, but you know, Jordan was encouraged to take have a more uh, active political stance when he was a player in the 80s and 90s, right? And he made an offhand remark that I remember as, and you can correct me, Royce, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too, 
right? Like if he came out and said, you know, I believe he's probably a liberal guy, you know, cares about black issues and stuff like that. But if he came out and said what he was thinking, he was afraid I'm going to alienate all the people, you know, who that who who that would be upsetting to. And then they're not going to buy my shoes. And I care more about selling sneakers than about like using my platform for social justice. Is that did, did I explain that right, Royce? No, you did. And I think that that argument is multi-layered, right? So, yes, all of that is true. I think he—I I do recall him saying that, and it was like because it was like a, a, senate, a senator race in, in his yeah hometown exactly. or something. He was like asked that. to endorse. I think it was in North Carolina. He was yeah, asked to endorse a, somebody in North a Carolina. Black senator, and he chose yeah. not to say anything. And it was like a a, a wild racist dude that was like a, a fixture. Yeah. It would have been a kind of a no-brainer endorsement nowadays, but in whatever, 89 or 91, whenever it was, it was riskier. But the question is also, like, would that have even made a difference in that in that, in that election? Probably not. Jordan saying something probably wouldn't have changed the minds of the racist people that kept voting this dude in. Yeah, but That's whether or not you make a difference, you know what I'm saying? Like I get, the you, chan- I get you. The chance that you might is worth it. But here's the deeper, here's the, here's the, 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 the deeper argument that I would like to push at you. So Jordan at that time was trying to, he was still creating his brand, his like creating worth for himself, right? And my argument is in the capitalist structure, even though I don't think that most of the people who attain or amass great wealth, like billionaires, I don't think they're good for society in general. But I believe that like the way you do change things in a capitalist structure is financially. Oh, get Just, the money first and then make the change. Right, but I don't, I don't yeah. think I don't think that was ever his intention. I think I think I think Tony Montana <laughs> said that first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women, something like that. Or was that a Scarface? That's a money Scarface power quote. Respect is, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know is that from the song Lil Kim. And shout out to her for that. <laughs> first you get the motherfucking but, money, then you get the motherfucking power, and then yeah. you get the motherfucking respect. And that yeah. is true in a way, yeah. right? But so I, you could I, say you could make an argument that someone who is politically minded would say, hey, I don't want to fuck up my money right now because I want to make a difference in the world and I can make a more of a difference in the world if I have money and keep quiet for a while and then wait until I'm sitting in, you know, Scrooge McDuck's tower full of gold coins and but then tell the, people don't vote for racists. I mean, yes, yeah, as possible. But he never did that. No, he so, did I'm saying it, yeah. it could have been the argument. <laughs> However, I also think that like some people just aren't, that's not them. It's not their yeah. identity. Like, I respect um, that. I mean, at least at least he's not OJ Simpson. He could have been the, the polar. He could have been worse. I mean, I'm not saying this to knock Jordan. I'm really mostly no, saying. No, you can knock Jordan. I'm not a Jordan fan. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm a Jordan. I'm a Jordan agnostic. I'm like I'm I'm like yeah. Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. It's like okay, you know what I mean? Like and, cool. Yeah, you I'm know, with yeah, you on right? that. You know, you know what I, I mean? I mean like, honestly, I hate him. I was yeah. a Nick fan growing up, so yeah. therefore yeah. he's like the thorn. He's a thorn of my. He was a Nick killer, man. You were wearing you were wearing. Patrick Ewing shoes. You weren't even I, wearing Jordans. I was not. That's not even a joke. I really would, I was. And Ice Cube was rapping about him. I was like, oh, yeah. he's a fire. Yeah. You know? So I don't, then, yeah, I'm not saying this to knock Jordan. I'm not saying this to nah, defend let's Jordan. Keep knocking I think he's, I think Jordan is a very interesting example here because if Jordan was a good, like, look at LeBron. Look how, I don't want to say it's easy, but look how unambiguous a decision that is for LeBron, who now has become pretty outspoken politically. It's also a good branding point for LeBron. Let's, uh, let's not forget that because I'm mm-hmm. looking, alright, so let's look at this, this this whole strike right now, right? This is where I was trying to get to. I'm, I was hoping we would get to this. LeBron in this moment to me, I mean I, there's been numerous reports about different things. I've seen Stephen A. Smith come out and say like during the players meeting, LeBron was making it about him and the players were getting upset and pissed off. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because that's like that doesn't 
first of all, I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm, I'm not, I'll say I'll go out on, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that because everyone should know that if they know me, I'm not. A Listen, LeBron you're fan. talking, you're talking to two Warriors fans. All right. We're both right. San Francisco natives who grew up with the Warriors and we, we saw, we had to deal with LeBron a lot. Okay. Right. So we, you're talking, you're preaching to the choir. Continue. All right. All right. So <laughs> let, me, let me get down to my LeBron angst in this situation. And it's not even like I can blame him. I just don't think that he is who they want him to be. I think like, the media wants to promote him as being like this leader, this like super stand up guy. Maybe he is in a way stand up. His whatever, if he has dirt, we don't really know it. It's not out there like that. If you're in a know or something, you might know, but I don't care. It's not my business. But what we know him to be is a, cele- a celebrity, is a pretty stand up dude and like yeah. on the right side of things, every, usually, you know, for the yeah. most part. But like I, when I look at this situation and I'm like, just the way it was handled, like the, it, it leaves a kind of weird taste in my mouth that they like, you know, the, he he was upset that the Bucks decided to do this on their own, and it was kind of like then it became this big thing where he jumped out and was like, all right, well, what are we demanding? Well, that's, that's ego, though, right? right I mean, that's that's LeBron a big part LeBron. of it. And now yeah. he lives in L.A., so it's like LeBron squared. Like if he wasn't self-absorbed enough, now he's gone to the self-absorption capital of America, and he's like the only thing that exists in the world, right? I mean, right. is that like I, you know, fine. I, again, I don't know LeBron. He does, like you said, he seems like a pretty stand-up guy. I respect his game very much. I don't respect his game. We're gonna go there. <laughs> that's a different debate. Nah, that's a nah, different nah, debate. Nah, it's not a different debate. It's a part of this debate. Like he's a chosen one. Literally, that's his title. They let him. They let him take fifty steps to the basket. They let him run people over. Like he's, in, he's an inconsistent jump shooter. He's a good chase down blocker. He's a decent defender. But like, yo, listen. If he didn't have those things in front of him, if they didn't allow him to play that style of basketball, he wouldn't be yeah. who he is. The game is built around certain players. That's how the NBA is. It's always been that way. The Jordan rule. Hot takes. Hot I'm just takes, saying. We can tell, I mean, it is. The Jordan rule. No, you couldn't right. foul those Jordan. Good, you can't. Yeah. LeBron can run people over. It's just the yeah. way the NBA is. Well, if you're, if you're Allen Iverson, you could cross Jordan up. So, you know. No, you then always, took, and then they took that crossover out the game. Cross over and you know why? Because Allen Iverson was locked up when he was a kid, had tattoos and cornrows before it was acceptable for every nerd in America to have tattoos and cornrows. Unfortunately, my only thing is that it's it, there is an ego element, right? So it might not just be money like, oh, I need to be the forefront of this. It's just the idea like I'm LeBron. I'm the chosen one. So how dare you decide to have a political moment without me just like out of power, right. jealousy and ego? I, yeah, but my point isn't even really to go at LeBron. I was just bringing that up as like a point of like what was put out there, right? Yeah. I just didn't like the way it was handled in general, right? So I didn't like. You mean from the Bucks, or you mean from the league? No, or? from everyone. From the, not, not the league. I mean the league's their whole. The, the league did what they were supposed to do for themselves, right? Yeah. They're trying to. They 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 have to generate income. They got contracts and sponsorships that they got to keep float floating, keep going. So it's a big financial hit for them to not have basketball playing. So the league did what they were going to do. They, they, yeah. Their main objective. Well, whatever was, you was, want, guys. Whatever you want. Just but keep they didn't even, But that's the thing. Like, they didn't even – this is where, like, my argument against capitalism and, like, the, the big the big elephant in the room is is coming. Um, I think, like, the way it was handled by the players just wasn't correct because they don't – they're not, like – I don't want to say that they're not intelligent because that's not what I mean. I don't want to come across that way. But what I want to say is that they're just not in the, they're not like the right people to make this type of call. They needed some guidance from the outside that was better than the guidance that they got. And, what, and what would be the appropriate guidance from outside? Who are those well, people? Someone like I don't know. I don't know who that would be in this case. It's like, you know, because we're not like in the civil rights era where you would have like a, a Malcolm X to go speak to. Yeah. Or like you, you don't have that here. You have like. You got Twitter. And 
and the elephant in the room, which is Barack Obama, who the two times, and this is where I'm going to get at, right? The two times that Barack Obama showed up was to save capitalism this year to me, right? Let's he hear it. During, he showed up during the election to support Joe Biden to knock out the, the, the Bernie Sanders flame. Not saying that Bernie Sanders had a chance of doing much, but it was like the way we will stamp out this fire is if we get Barack Obama to come out and say, I support Biden unequivocally, this, that, and the third. And he did that and disappeared again. Yeah. We didn't really hear from him again. It was like literally he came out like some kind of like uh, a specter in a DC comic book or something. (laughs) And just did what he did. He stole his soul and left. You know what I'm saying? Then the next time we hear Barack Obama's name was to tell them to go back to playing basketball. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, damn, that's not the type of leadership I expect. Like, <laughs> you want to tell me, like, yeah, you make some demands. Oh, get people to vote. Yeah. That's all you really wanted. Like, that's, all, that's what you told them to do. And they were like, yeah, you know what? Yes, the black president tells us to go vote. We're going to go get people to vote. And But to me, that what does that do? Well, okay, you raise a very interesting question. And I, again, am a little naive about things like that. Well, maybe optimistic. I don't know. Naive optimism is a thin line, right? Uh, I I think I probably share the same concerns you do about the democratic process and how flawed it is uh, in this country and not to mention other places, but let's just talk about this country. But that doesn't mean to me that we cannot affect real change in this country democratically. It's not like maybe not the fundamental change, maybe not everything that needs to happen. That's if you believe that this is actually a democracy. Now, wait, are you talking about the electoral college? <laughs> are we having an electoral college conversation? No, we're not go down I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff here. Because he here's, he you know, like, what is he talking about right now? Why is he, he making faces yeah. like, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> where are you like, going like, with this? Wow, now he wants to tear down democracy. It's like, man, no, you look, you look, away for one, you look away for one second and Royce turns into a Marxist uh, yeah. Can I just say I want the, the, you two on your yes. own podcast? I don't want to be the person to do it, but I want oh, it to happen. I, I agree. <laughs> well, you know, we have a good energy because we agree about a lot of things. We disagree about some things. And the things that we disagree about, we always get through in a productive way. That's a good way to have a conversation. And it's the way that nobody has conversations anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I appreciate that discourse. And the whole point of this is to say, yes, you're right, Eming. I am great. Royce is great. Together we are great. Thank you. I didn't say you're great. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Yes. Uh, No, Royce is a fantastic guest. We got to have him on the show all the time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I hear you on that point. I'm not saying like, oh, the only way we're going to solve our problems is voting. Like, I don't I don't believe that. I know that we're stuck. I hate that we have a two party system. I do not like the Democratic Party. But we are in a situation we are in a situation right now where it would be a real big problem if um People who were thinking critically about the world and the way that things should change uh, just didn't vote because they felt like democracy was a joke. I, I, I'm not ready to say that. I'm not saying that that's the case either, but here's my issue, right? So we're looking at this from the perspective of they're telling people to vote, but they didn't like you didn't really like there's no real initiative to make people to vote. They just make people vote. They were just like, oh, open up the stadiums and maybe make them voting centers. But what's going to drive people to go to those stadiums, right? Like there's lots of like holes. Like yeah. big, big theoretical holes that have not been filled in by any of this process. Yeah. Like what else were your demands? Like what what's changing anything? Where's why aren't you making them put money into like the neighborhoods, like directly create yeah. things? Like why didn't you demand those things? Because that wasn't ever the agenda. They didn't really have an agenda. They were just emotional, but they didn't get the right guidance. And yeah. that's my problem. Like it's like literally the people who should be stepping in and playing a part in this process, the people who we're supposed to look to as our elder statesmen 
and being able to have a voice, they don't really come in and give a voice. And that's been the problem. Like as I mean, I, I, I like this point a lot because I think it gets at something much deeper, which is just a lack of true progressive leadership in this country. Uh, I would I would date this all the way back to the Occupy movement, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I love the Occupy movement, man. I was like, this is how things happen. You know what I mean? Like the idea of like a single issue, like yeah, income inequality is destroying this country. And it's because corporations have too much power. And we're not going home. Uh, until you do something about it or until it gets cold, which is what happened in most of the country. Winter came, everybody left the encampments. But most of the criticism was, okay, all right, Occupy. You got the whole country's attention. People are listening, even people who don't care about politics, even people who aren't progressive, like everybody's listening. All right, what do you got? And it was just a lot of noise because they didn't have, there wasn't a platform. And the reason they didn't have a platform is because there was not like a leader. And I'm not a, I'm not much of a leader guy anyway, cause I'm not much of a follower. So I'm not like, I'm like, Oh, finally we got somebody to tell us what to do. But, uh, leadership has value, a lot of value. And if there were a person who rose to the top of that, it would have been a lot easier to communicate those because that person would be giving speeches the way that Dr. King gave speeches, the way that Malcolm X gave speeches. And we would have a person to look to even, you know, I'll put Bobby Kennedy in there, even though he's a loaded character, but just like, it's just good to have a person whoever that person is Occupy didn't have it and black lives matter doesn't have it now some people would argue maybe that's the value and the success of black lives matter because any leader is vulnerable right if you have one person who's at the head of the movement every human is fallible so everybody has their weaknesses let's say we had one leader who you know was like everybody loved this person forever but like 10 years ago they said something anti-semitic about israel you know it's like then that person is gone forever because we live in a cancel culture and that that movement goes down with it or let's say we i don't know right now i don't know right now that like i mean yeah the cancel culture stuff is crazy but i don't know right now that you could i think like or it, or they cheated on their wife or you know somebody cheated yeah, on their wife. That doesn't even nowadays I don't think that that will cancel you. I think the history is dependent on what is said. I think you if you you're more likely to be canceled if you say something that's like harmful to a community. Yeah. As opposed to a nation or something like that, right? Like it depends on what it is. Cuz if yeah. you like right now I mean now, it's harmful. I'm saying that's why I use the anti-semitic example because I don't even know if that's a good example right I mean now. I think and the anti-semitic I think the anti-semitic <laughs> example is valid because that is what undermined the the women's march like after Trump was inaugurated or the day that Trump was inaugurated like a million women went to DC and they were like you're a disgusting pig and you shouldn't mm-hmm. be president and I was inspired I was like this is great you know what I mean like look yeah, how much he didn't get canceled. still president but what I'm saying is that movement could have had momentum Right. You could have been like whoever that those million women were could have continued to be a presence, a growing presence. We would have had a movement to follow. And this is just an example. But their leadership was flawed because they had differences in opinion about, you know, whatever the legitimacy of Israel as a state. Right. Where like some people were radical progressives, not radical, but, you know, progressives who were like, you know, uh, Palestinian sympathizers who had said things in the past that I think could have been construed as anti-Semitic or whatever. They anti-Israel, let's say. Let's just say anti-Israel. That's what it really boils down to. Is that's what's more important. It's not that it's anti-Semitic, it's that it's anti-Israel. And this yeah, but that's see, I, this is like why maybe it's the worst example I could have come up with. Uh, yeah, I was about to say because that's a totally different it's argument. It's such a complicated issue. But the yeah. only reason I give that example is because 
that movement was brought down by that because it was a coalition of women, you know, strong leaders. There's white women, there's black women, there's Latinas. There's like, you know what I mean? That was like a good group of people. And then they had this one thing that they couldn't really, you know what I mean? Tease out. And that movement lost steam in a way, at least organizationally for that reason. So, I mean, I hear your point. It's a very big problem that we don't have genuine progressive leadership. I, I would almost make the argument that Bernie and AOC are the only real progressive leadership, like really high profile, true Bernie's progressive. Too old though, so like no one's really trying. To, that's the issue, right? So the faces of all these different places are like he's still an old white guy. He's but still you know an old what? white guy. Nobody's it, trying to hear that. You could be an old white guy. You know what I mean? Like it yeah, would be no, better. It would be you. better if you weren't. You know what to I mean? Me or you, yes. But I'm yeah. thinking like Generation Z. They're not trying to hear their grandfather tell them what to do, even if he's right. Gen Z loved Bernie. They did to some degree, but they weren't mobilizing because it wasn't like the party. They were like, at, at the end of the day, he's still just an old white guy. Nah, I wouldn't even say that. It's like, yo, the party wasn't going to push that. And everybody knew that. Like, it's well, not, the Democratic I, Party wasn't going to push right, it. But he was running as a Democrat. So yeah. the issue is like, if you know there's no chance, then why yeah. are we even going to go? And that's the right, So that's my problem with the Democrats in general, right? It's like, Yo, wait, what's the numbers? What's the figures? I know, I think my girl told me the other day, she was like, uh, her friend, or maybe her and her friend had a conversation. They said, wait, only 13% of people under 35 that are registered to vote actually came to vote, right? So, like, if you look at it this way. low voter turnout among young people. Right, but there's a reason for that. Like, they're not engaged. The Democrats don't even try to engage them. Like yeah. they try to, oh, we're going to go flip 5% of Republican voters and try to win this election. Yeah, we're just going to go get, <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to battleground states. It's basically a Hillary strategy. And it's, and it's what like exactly lost. Hillary. Yeah, and that's, what, and and that's right why. Right now, here's lost, a, yeah. the weird thing about that is like, so we're looking at it. And right now, like I, I Michael Moore just posted this the other day, like the numbers are even closer in this election than they were in the Hillary election right now at this point in the year, then they're about to lose again. Because That's they keep your, doing the same thing. You're going on the record right now. You're saying Democrats are going to lose in November. Yeah, I'm going on the record. But I'm also going to go wow. on the record. Wow. But you know what? You're, you're a pessimist. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. I'm not a pessimist. <laughs> booyah, I'm not booyah, a pessimist. Booyah. I'll tell you why. Because I don't think it's just time to now That's here's wild. yeah. So you tell me more. My, tell me more, Royce. Tell me more. On, I put this on my Instagram, y'all. y'all wanna, if you want to hear crazy outlandish conspiracy theories from the from the Let's great go. one. Let's go. Follow Green light. Vintage Vader. At Vintage underscore Vader on Instagram. I don't accept many people, so if you look like some type of troll or clown, I'm not going to accept you. <laughs> but if you want to hear something crazy, you know, I put I spout a bunch of conspiracies all the time. And so my conspiracy right now, my current one that I'm going with is they don't want to win. And let me tell you why. It's messed up that they wouldn't want to win because RBG, like they're going to lose two seats in, in, in the Supreme Court. Supreme Court. RBG's on her way out for sure. They're going to lose another one too. I forgot the other person's name, but they're going to lose two. So you're really gambling. Yeah, it's, all right, yeah, it's about to be four more appointments. So we're about to be screwed as a country. But I also think that the Democrats, in some way, they want this. And the reason why is because they're not really a party of the people. They're centrist, right? So they're not really trying yeah. to go. They, they're going to push but left But they right got now. Biden. I would say if they got stuck with, let's say they got stuck with Bernie, I could see they would want to lose on purpose because they, nah, they don't want they the party Biden, to go the progressive they, they route. They got Biden. He's a centrist. Yeah, but Biden's also old and probably wouldn't even. And I'm not gonna say anything crazy. Yeah, but we're gonna I'm have president. Like, we'll have President Kamala. Okay, I'm calling it. You heard it here. That's first. what I'm saying. Let's like, see. I don't think that he would. He would. He may not even make it through his term. And I don't even think. Oh, you're saying we're gonna have President Kamala? I don't think they're going to win. And the reason okay, why so I don't then, think. They, let me ahead, explain. Let me get my theory. Please, let, me, please, let, me, please. let me bust down this theory. This theory to me is that if they lose, they win in the end because the country will go so crazy. It'll go so far to the right 
that everybody will be begging them to come back to the left. Like it's like doing that already. No, but that's no, no. People are begging them to go further left. Right. If you go too far to the right, going to the center is left. Exactly. Okay. So I All think right. I hear like, you. The theory is like, yo, yeah, we don't need to win right now. We just keep fundraising. Right now, Trump is helping them raise so much money. Pelosi said it herself, actually. She's like, Trump is helping them with fundraising. Like, literally yeah. going against them is helping them collect money. They just keep collecting money for four more years, which is what well, they want to do. That's they keep- Biden's position the whole time. Biden has only ever run as a beat Trump person. He never really had a policy for change for income inequality. He never right had then. a policy for change for... Yeah, he and still does. His whole thing is just like Trump is bad, so vote for me. Which is a pretty compelling say, argument. Yeah, it is, but at the same time, like he said whatever he had to say to win that primary. They worked real hard to win that primary. Now that we're in the election, they're like, oh, we may not even have debates. Come on. Like who when in and when in our lifetime have we ever seen a presidential campaign come out and say, Oh, we don't even want to have a debate? I'm he so says he wants glad, to have a debate. I'm so glad you asked that question. And even even though I know you asked it rhetorically, I have an answer for you. And it's the real elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is not Obama. The elephant in the room is goddamn COVID nineteen. And the and and no, listen, <laughs> listen. The the reason, and you know, I'm not saying that people were not primed, and let's just talk about this from like a racial justice perspective. I'm not saying that people were not primed for a racial justice movement, because America needs a racial justice movement, because it's there's a terrible, terrible things happening in our cities. Police are killing people, it's awful, right? But there's so much noise, right? Did I ever tell you my Jesse Jackson story? Have you ever told my Jesse Jackson story on the air? Eming heard it before. I'm going to tell it again because Royce, <laughs> Royce hasn't heard it. Okay. Wait, did he play, did he did he make up 50 words in the conversation with you or something? No, no. I met Jesse Jackson. It's not very interesting. I just you know whatever. I like Jesse Jackson, <laughs> so I was like, oh my god. I was in a restaurant in Chicago. I saw Jesse Jackson. I was like, oh my god, Jesse Jackson's here. You know how do you not be excited about seeing Jesse Jackson, right? Uh, and but that was it. Our, our meeting was not very interesting. What was interesting was when I was leaving, Jesse Jackson was on the phone like in front of the restaurant, and I was like, ooh, I wonder who he's talking to. So I want to just ear hustle it. I just wanted to hear his conversation. And the only thing I heard him say was, yeah, well, every day is 9-11, right? And at the time, I thought, what the hell is Jesse Jackson talking about every day is 9-11? That is the craziest thing I've heard a person say, much less Jesse Jackson in front of a burger restaurant in Chicago. And now, you know, 15 years later, I realized he's right. We have so much, as you say, we are in an information age. We have access to so much information that every tragic thing that happens in the world, we hear about every day. Right. You know what I mean? Like and and in some ways, that's good because we're aware of like issues that people are dealing with all over the world. You know, we we mourn things properly, but we have become in some ways desensitized to these things because there's so much tragedy. Think about it. There's a mass shooting. You change your face, your profile picture on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, you know, thoughts and prayers are with, you know, location X where people died. Right. And things like that happen so often. There's a shooting in Paris. There's a shooting. You know, it's like there was a tsunami. There was an earthquake. It's like hearts and prayers every day, thoughts and prayers every day, and which is information we didn't used to have access to because mainstream media would just be like, ah, we'll decide what people want to hear. You know, when you, if you only read the newspaper once in the morning, there's only so much room for tragedy. Now that we experience this level of pain and suffering every day, all the time, we have, and I believe as a society, as a global society, a decreased sensitivity to tragedy, right? Because we just experience it so much. Now, COVID comes in, right? There's a lot less room for tragedy, right? It's one tragedy right now. Everybody's like, oh my God, it's crazy. There's a virus that could kill every human on earth. We got to stay in the house. Who knows what's real and what's not? And everybody's just sitting in the house and nothing's happening because no one's going outside, right? So in the midst of all of that, a horrible event happens. A man is murdered by a police officer and people are like, that's it. 
we're going out. And when they went out for their march, the same way that people might go out for their march, you know, any other time that a black man is killed in America, usually it's like for one day we think about it, we mourn that person, maybe a couple months or whatever. Instead, everybody had been inside with so much pent up anxiety that anyone who was kind of liberal minded was like, you know what, this is the thing. I'm going outside. I'm taking a stand. And there was nothing competing for attention with the Black Lives Matter movement after George Floyd died. So everybody watched it because it was the only thing happening in the country. There weren't even any sports at that time. But also it kept happening. It's not like it just stopped with George Floyd. And you had yeah, but it, 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 yeah, but it, people got killed back to back. To I'm back. not saying that there's You're not like to laugh at that, but it did. Happen. The numbers, the numbers d- didn't change. You know what I mean? Like you could like police have been killing black people since we were a country since since police existed since since black people existed right it happened in the 70s 80s 90s there were different movements here and there but this one is having a more profound response for a number of different reasons but i would make the argument that the number one reason that we have sustained attention on this is because everybody's staying at home ordinarily you gotta you watch sports you're like oh my god that's terrible a black man was killed by a police officer i'm too stressed out i, I gotta watch some sports right there were no sports to watch you know ordinarily people would be like oh man it's terrible so you know this guy got killed by the police i gotta go out and get drunk you can't go out and get drunk you know what i mean like everything that we use every opiate of the masses that we have to soothe our trauma was gone so every anxiety that we had was channeled, if you were a progressive-minded person, was channeled into that. And if you weren't a progressive-minded person, you had nothing else to look at because the only thing happening was this movement. In some ways, it's like a, a bizarre convergence of events, which could never happen, which is why everybody's like 2020 is the craziest year that ever happened, um, because everything is happening within this context of COVID, which we haven't said the word COVID yet. I hate COVID conversations, so I'm not trying to have a COVID conversation. But to me, that is the elephant in the room here in some ways. Royce, tell me if I'm wrong. No, I agree with you on that. I think that it wasn't just on the, on the left side of things. It was also on the right because all the nutbags came out at the beginning before like um, George Floyd got killed and started oh, we need to get our hair done. And we're like bringing rifles yeah. to town halls. Yeah. <laughs> and they were coming in like, they, it wasn't like it was like just ten people, but it that was like didn't captivate. Showing up. That didn't really captivate us the way well, no, that like, thousands of people in the street. There's did. more people that are civil minded than there are those lunatics now. And that's true. Right? That's I true. Think, like, we we might outnumber them now, but I mean, it, it doesn't mean that they didn't come out and mobilize for what they thought was right for them. They're just nuts. You know? Yeah, but nobody cares because it's so fringe. No, they just care. Like, they can care. you believe that there are people <laughs> whose political identities are so easily shaped by Facebook that they are willing to bring assault rifles to their favorite bar so that the police doesn't don't shut it down like that? To me, nobody reads that and says, you know what? There's people who are already guys doing have that. A point. There's people who are already doing that before COVID in Texas. They they go to bars with their guns already. Like, I mean, yeah. like, that's just to make a point. Like, it's. That's yeah, but it didn't get traction. It wasn't like, you know, some right, people right, right. started doing it and then every city in America had a bunch of, you know, guys with assault rifles outside of their barbershop. Those people don't, those people don't exist in every city in America. That's, but that's yeah. the thing, like, they exist outside of the cities, right? So, like, yeah. you don't know, honestly, we don't know what's happening in small town America. Like, like you know, like, we don't know what's, like, even I don't even know what was happening halfway up to, to, to Syracuse. Yeah. Like, in the, middle of, in the middle of those areas, they might have still been going to bars and doing stupid shit. Like, yeah. We don't know. Like we have no idea what the rest of the there is. is doing. The, the bubble yeah. is real. The bubble is real. I'll, I'll acknowledge this. You know, for our There's listeners, so many different bubbles, though, right? And like, and in yeah. every single one of them, people act accordingly. They act differently based on their situations and what's around them. Like the Wisconsin shit, that's its own bubble. 
Yeah. You know, and that's they're acting the way that they do because that's just the way it is in their, in their Except state. there used to be kind of impenetrable bubbles, right? You lived in a rural area and people were conservative and, you know, it had its own value system and you didn't really hear much about a different kind of value system. Or you lived in a place like San Francisco and, you know, or Berkeley or Portland and you it was a liberal bubble and you created your own world within it. But you're again, your point about being in an information age, it's not possible to be in a true bubble anymore. You might, you know, we are still in a bubble because we do not know the experiences of, of rural people or other people in other parts of the country because we're not living there. But we do hear these stories thanks to social media, um, thanks to independent news outlets, all the stuff that didn't used to exist. So, and, and the further point, I don't want to have a whole Portland conversation, but I want to have a little tiny, tiny Portland conversation. First of all, I will say I like Lillard. I like the Blazers just to bring us back to sports real quick. I, I concur. I concur. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm on, I like, I was yeah. on, that's my secondary team. Great. I like, I like Lillard. I like the Blazers. Uh, and I, you know, I like Portland as a town and that it, that's its own thing. I don't, you know, people can have a different opinion about it, but Portland is, as a, is a stereotype. Portland is a cliche, right? There's Portland has become shorthand partly, partly thanks to Fred Armisen, you know, who made a whole TV show about how precious people are, but you know, what he's really making fun of is Brooklyn. What he's really making fun of is San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there exists a subculture of, of people, mostly white who are just very precious about, you know, we used to call them hipsters, but now that they're old, we don't know what to call them anymore, you know, and Portland was the example of that. So the bubble of all bubbles to me was Portland. And now the bubble of all bubbles has been fully penetrated because rural people who are Trump supporters and conservative are commuting to Portland in order to engage with people who are liberal protesters. You know, it used to be those protesters were engaging with federal agents, you know, they're whatever people from ICE and whatever. They had Coast Guard people out on the street there. But now they're yeah. citizens who are coming from. No, they did that before. They've been doing that every like pretty much every year. They have they always have those like uh, Proud Boy marches come into the city and they have like conflicts with Antifa, allegedly Antifa activists. Yeah. They've been yeah, doing that. That's been happening. Yeah, it's been happening for years, but it's just like people in Portland, like we don't want you in our town, so they fight them. But so you don't, you don't think years. it's different now? Oh that, no, it's worse you know, now. Let, let's say Kenosha, the same thing, or Milwaukee, or whatever. You know that kid came up from Illinois with an assault rifle, seventeen-year-old. Um, now abuted. the thing is that they know they can get away with it because of Trump. That's the, the whole thing is like. Yeah. But I mean, they were listen. This has been happening. They just wasn't running around with guns in the middle of the street. They would come into towns and. Yeah. Having fights in the street, as yeah, opposed but to guns shooting. in the middle of the street is a big difference. Yeah, that, yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. that's a huge escalation, and it's you know a, a wild departure. Yeah, that's um, because no one's upholding the, the the. I mean, I guess they're upholding their rights to the Constitution, but yeah. the government isn't stepping in and saying or doing what they're supposed to be doing. So they, and they know why, and they know they can get away with yeah. it. So doing well, it. what the government needs to be doing is working on a vaccine and testing uh, for COVID, so that we can resume our normal lives. They're yeah, not I doing that. I don't want right? the first batch of that shit. <laughs> don't don't get started on the vet. We're not talking COVID vaccines. <laughs> I broke my own rule. To a black man, I, my girl sent me a, a meme the other day. If he's like, if you're a black man and you don't subscribe to one whole type conspiracy, there's something wrong. Like, yeah, be that's part of, it's part. Yeah, it's part of, you got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. Like I got a couple of them. So right then and there, you heard, you heard like three of them in this in this conversation. Good. So I'm you glad. know, I'm a, I'm a safe black man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a real one. 
Now but, we know. Um, <laughs> nah, I, you ain't gonna hit me with the first batch of nothing. It's like buying yeah. a PlayStation. I said this that shit the other day. I was like, you don't buy don't the first be an early batch adopter. of PlayStation. Don't yeah. be an early adopter let of somebody else, Let somebody else buy from that shit first, and then I'll be like, all right. <laughs> okay, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, I won't be the guinea pig. Um, yeah, I only mention that to just point out the obvious fact that our federal government is dysfunctional. I, I don't like the federal I government understand. as a rule. I don't care who the president is. I think the federal government was full of shit when Obama was president. I think the federal government was full of shit when Bill Clinton. I don't care what party it is federal government is whack but at least they kind of get the job done most of the time you know which is now they don't now that's it we we don't have the federal government getting anything done and that's the only point i wanted to make um the, the last thing i wanted to ask you about as you know i am like a deeply closeted new york mets fan i like the mets because who doesn't like an underdog and, you know, for your birthday, I used to get you a little, I got a Keith Hernandez card because you 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 were like my Mets fan friend. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to know about your updated loyalties because I know you've left the Mets behind. But is that true nah, to say? Not really. I wouldn't say I left them behind. I just don't really care about baseball as much. It's not, it's not yeah. technically the black man's sport. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. I'm stereotype. I'm, I'm not anymore. I'm a, I'm a walking stereotype now. So I'm a, I'm strictly basketball. You're, you're an NBA I, guy. That's I fine. Have my issues with yeah. with the NFL still, even though they're trying to say they act like they're coming around. But yeah. I mean, you know, like I I would jump to the NFL before I would MLB any day. Well, this you know, is a very like interesting that. point. So before let's let's put the Mets on hold real quick because I'm mm-hmm. going to say before we end this show, my next comment is going to be about the New York Mets, and I have a specific question for you. But we before we make that point, I just want to say part of the reason that I felt like this most recent protest was particularly significant is that it spread outside of the NBA. And that is because the NBA is a black league, right? I think that's fair to say. NBA is a black league, right? Unambiguously black majority, right? Um, So it makes sense for the NBA as a league to say like, all right, black issues are our issues. Whether they're doing it for money or whether they're doing it because they're good people, I I would guess the former, not the latter. Um, It makes sense for the NBA. They're like, we're a black league. We got black fans. We have a huge, you know, black fan contingency, right? That is not true for Major League Baseball, for instance, right? Major League Baseball, right. when I was a kid, actually was kind of a black sport. You know, you look at yeah. Ken Griffin Jr. Barry you Bonds. Look at, yeah, all those guys. Barry Bonds. Yeah. You know, it was like it was it was a little more diverse than NBA, but it was like, you know, a lot of white guys, a lot of, you know, Latinos, Dominican, Venezuelan guys and like a lot of black Americans. Right. And the number of black Americans active in baseball, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's, I watch baseball every day. It is just shrunk, man. Like to, it's to the point when I see a black American player, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, who's this guy? You know what I mean? Like, where's he from? Uh, and I have my own theory about it that involves Barry Bonds. I think that I would think that if you were like a young black man who's an athlete and you watched Barry Bonds in the early 2000s and you're like, wow, this guy is the greatest hitter of all time. This guy might be the greatest baseball player of all time. Different debate. Um, And he doesn't get any respect. Nobody fucks with Barry Bonds. I'm not going to work as hard as I can to get as far as I can in baseball just to get shit on. Because, you know what I mean? Here is a black man who's the best person in the league and nobody respects him. And I I think that may have turned off a lot of young black men from baseball. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. That's a part of it. That's a part of it. I wouldn't say it's not that. It has a lot to do with the money games in baseball, too. And yeah. how it's more cost effective to put money into like the Caribbean islands, like into Puerto Rico. That's true. DR. Yeah. So and they're like, not developing talent for, you know, it's like more expensive. Yeah, like to, to have leagues in, to have, yeah. have inner city leagues and to actually put money into that would cost them a lot more. And I think it's then more of a lazy it effort. Yeah, it's yeah. just a lazy effort to like buy ownership of the, like, you know, by the, the like the owners of teams and, and, the, and the commissioners of the commissioner of that sports all historically always been shit. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. 
they just don't want to invest money into the inner city. And like, yeah. and, and, because that's the thing about sports, right? And that's my argument about the NBA shit is like, you guys need to force them to just keep committing money to where, to, to development, to community yeah. development, instead yeah. of it being some shit where it's like, Hey, go vote. It's like, yeah, fine. Voting does something or it may not do something. You just yeah. like, but at the end of the day, like if people see money, you know what I'm saying? You can, like, there's a very famous quote, like, you can't be the change you want to see unless you like you see it first, right? Like you got to see it in front of you. If yeah. I don't see, like, if I don't, that's why. That's why in a way you got to love, like, in a way you got to love LeBron, right? With the schools, the Promise Academies, and yeah, all that shit. Like, yeah. He shows up, like he's there, like the kids yeah. can see him. He's present. A lot of professional athletes, they're not present. So, like, yeah. you know, like we don't see them. We don't know who they are. We're not like when I was a kid. I'm, I'm grateful. I never played. I didn't continue playing basketball when I was a kid, though. Nate Archibald came to my school. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like you had like, what about Stephon Marbury? Stephon Marbury, yeah, you saw him. He's in China yeah. right now. He ain't even fucking with us right now. He's tired of what we did to him. <laughs> but he was but, for a while. Yeah, you know, he, he, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You need those types of people. I agree. Yeah. Like you need yeah. Stephon Marbury. You need those types. You need those types. Like you, where you you go to a neighborhood basketball tournament and you see the NBA players and they engage and they might go to a school around the neighborhood. Like you need that, but you don't have yeah. it as much as you used to. Like yeah. they're just so like everyone's so into themselves just the way like society is built around like we're all egomaniacs now everyone yeah. is like obsessed with their instagrams doing wild shit and then then no yeah. one's engaged in communities and so for me it was like i'm looking at how the nba handled that shit and they didn't really they didn't to me they didn't do enough like and it's just like it was so quick i wish they would have just sat out a little longer and been like look let's think about this for a while what the hell can we actually do? What can we demand? Make these motherfuckers put money in our neighbors. I go back to my community. Ain't, I'm quite sure if I'm Zion Williamson or like John Morant, and I go to South Carolina, wherever they're from, I mean, maybe they got, you know, because they probably went to some AAU or prep school or some shit, but where they're originally from is probably fucked up. Yeah. Why not make them go back and put money into your community? The money's yeah. there. Yeah. Like, these dudes are billionaires. They they're sitting on wealth. They're not doing shit with that money. They're just sitting there counting and looking at each other like I got more money than you. <laughs> the fuck are yeah. they doing with that money? They're just sitting around looking at it. So force them to go spend that money. They I bit- think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, there this was the premise for a Dead Prez song twenty years ago where they listed a whole bunch of like black celebrity millionaires saying like we can't have a revolution without your support. You know, so they like whatever, they shouted out Oprah and they said Bobby Whitney, they said, you know, um, and that was like an internal community criticism, which is like, you know, there are a lot, a lot of very successful black people in this country. And I think Dead Prez was trying to say there's not a lot of direct community give back from those people. Is that, I get, do you know I get, the song I'm talking about? I, I, you know I'm not you a mean? big Dead Press fan. I, <laughs> but I, I will say, that, <laughs> I'm not a big Dead Press fan. I wasn't fucking with their music that much. But I will say like, yeah, I mean, that that's that's a part. Yeah, I agree with that in part, right? Like I think that like, yes, these the, the black community should be responsible for itself and creating infrastructure. But you also have power to force other people to invest in your infrastructure because yeah. you're so valuable to them that you can force them to build your infrastructure instead of being greedy with it right and that's the problem instead of like destroying the, like the neighborhoods create something beautiful there, and it's just not enough of that happening because there's no presentation and it, i mean it it's, it's not necessarily i don't want to put all the responsibility on black celebrities or black people with money i, I just wish that they were more present and took a more active role in community development by just being present at some time but that yeah. might be a danger for them also, though. Some of them can't go back to the neighborhoods for numerous different reasons. Yeah, there's that's other true. different things. But I mean, like, there's like, you know, go someplace where you can and and, build, and help the infrastructure there. Yeah. I think that that's just more of like, 
But I don't know. I don't want to put all that responsibility on them. I want to put that responsibility on the people that make money off of them. Like use that opportunity to be like, all right, you need me for this. So I need you to go do this. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, you don't have to go, let's say like Lillard doesn't have to go, you know, back to his, you know, he's, he's a Bay cat or at least Bay connections. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. Um, no, he's, 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 got, Oakland. he's from Oakland. He's yeah. Like, he's an Oakland guy. So he doesn't Washington. have to, he doesn't have to go to East Oakland and like, you know, build a school. He could just tell, I don't even know who sponsors him, but he could tell, you know, Adidas, Hey, you want to be my sponsor, you know, carve this out, go build, you know, a training facility in deep East Oakland so that kids can do X or whatever. That's what you're arguing is like, they don't even have to carve out their own. It's like, not just building like a, 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 a gym, but create jobs, like create something that like, Will yeah. promote growth in that community that people don't 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 get pushed out or like it doesn't like there's a reason for like the the, the way things are is because things are so d- like destroyed and demolished in certain places and there's nothing no money goes gets funneled back in and so other from all these outside forces come in and take over at the end of the day if you use your stances and your power to be like yo listen I need this from you and you can just, you know, create something. Just, I don't know what it is. Cause I'm not in a place to, to know what, how to, how to create business or infrastructure on that level. But like these people do know, you know, cause they've been doing it for themselves. So yeah. um, those with the knowledge of doing that, like, you know, he's and also like, look at LeBron. LeBron has a team of dudes around him who've been building a shit ton of stuff. Like put it. Well, like, what if Jordan, what if Jordan said, every one of my sneakers has to be made in North Carolina. <laughs> No, nah, but that's some shit that like <laughs> now we're in the globalization. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah that's only the whole ninety nine cents. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, then not, then Jordans would cost eight hundred dollars. <laughs> no, nah, it, it would it would yes, but at the same yeah. time, corporations run on schedules. That shit, like, all these all yeah. the things that you see is like two three years out. We don't know what's coming. Like they know yeah. what they're doing. That was timing the whole training. process of everything. I just mean like you know something like that. Something yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be like, you know, we need developments in job. Let's just say like, okay, your shipping distribution center needs to be in my right. hometown from North Carolina. Something that like would that. Make a, shit like that would make a big yeah. difference. It's like, yo, I like it. That's I like it. It's like you That's create good. jobs. You we, create we have a platform work. now, Royce. I think this is, we can take this to uh, whoever you take these things to. Yeah, let me holler at LeBron. Be your LeBron. You're the greatest. Let me holler at you, baby. Mm-hmm. I always say you some things happen. You're the chosen one, sir. <laughs> you're the chosen yeah. one, kid. You know what I mean? Nah, but, um. I mean, I think that's a, a big thing. All right, so let's go back to the MLB thing because I know you wanted yeah. to go to that, and you were saying somehow this is going to twist into the Mets. Is this going to go to the Dominic well, Smith? Let, no, no, it's not, thing? no, it's not going to go to that. Oh, okay. It's 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 two points. One point is when I saw the NBA protest, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm glad they're doing this. I'm happy for the Bucks. I'm happy for the NBA. Well, would I do it differently? I'm not even asking those questions because I just felt like, hey, they're taking a stand. You know what I mean? Right, as right, a right. As a Kaepernick person, I'm like, yo, this is full vindication. Athletes are saying this is wrong. I'm not going to play until X, right? I supported it. What I didn't expect was for other leagues to follow suit, especially leagues that are not majority black leagues, right? Major League Baseball, a lot of white people, a lot of Latinos, lot, you know, and a small amount of black Americans, right? Uh, that one was already pretty telling for me. And I'm like a big baseball guy. So I was like, this is, you know, this is special. And also, you know, a lot of, ba- I think baseball fans politically are a little more diverse than NBA fans, right? Just because of like, you know, racial and geographic. Why don't you just say a lot more of them are Republicans? <laughs> well, you know, I like you to say, say that a lot more of them are right wing. <laughs> 
Yes. That's true. Yeah, you get you have a lot more Republican Major League Baseball fans. Okay, are you happy now, Royce? You just I say it that it. way. It's honest. It out like, loud. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Like yeah. people have their political alignments, they have yeah. their beliefs, they have their ideologies. Not everybody's yeah. going to be on the same track. And yeah. baseball, yeah, you're right. It's more, more diverse than that. In a lot more. So they have more consideration as a business. I mean, and business, also, yeah, you, it's harder for them to make that call than NBA because NBA is like, yo, man, so many of our fans, so many of our players. You also like in the NFL have a bunch of players that have been flat out racist in in, in baseball. Well, NFL is its own animal. Thankfully, they weren't playing during this time because they would have messed it up. I don't even know what they would have done to mess it up, but they would have done it. We're still just not sure what they're going to do when the, the NFL. Runs. The NFL is the Donald Trump of sports right now, and I can't even. You know what I mean? Like we got a rule on the show. We don't really talk about Trump that much because it's just you we know, talked about him quite a bunch today, actually. More than usual, you know. But I always say, you know, oxygen feeds the beast. So the more you talk about him, the more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, you know, that's, I try to cap it. The only reason I brought up the Mets is this. This is my final point, and I'll just give you a chance to say whatever you want to about it. Um, I watched the Marlins-Mets game when they all took the field. Pitcher was out there. You know, everybody was in the outfield. Uh, it was the Mets in the outfield. Marlins came up. The batter came up. And then he put his bat down. Everybody came out of the dugout. Um, they all took their hats off. Um, they put their hats over their hearts. They bowed their heads. They had a very long moment of silence. I say 20 or 30 seconds. It was, you know, absolutely silent because there were no fans, absolutely silent because they didn't play. And then they waved their caps at each other. And then they just went back in the locker room. Right. I mean, that moment, I, I must have watched it 10 times to me was the most 2020 moment of 2020. And I know there's a lot of competition for that, but I just thought in terms of something, if you tried to explain to somebody in August of 2019 what that moment meant, I mean, they're all wearing masks. Right. There are no fans in the stands. Right. And these guys protest the shooting of a black man by a police officer by not playing a baseball game. Like we're so traumatized by 2020. We think we're like, oh, yeah, here's just another crazy thing that happened. But I tried to look at it independently and I was really powerfully moved, especially when you think about, you know, who are Mets fans, for instance. Oh, you got a lot of Long Island guys and they, they might be a lot of Trump people or whatever. It's just like it felt. Very and, and and white ball players, you know, think about it. it. You know, again, diversity. There's probably a lot of Republican baseball players, right? But those guys in solidarity with their teammates got out there. You know, they didn't do a counter protest. It was just like a moment of unison and and zen and profundity that just like touched me emotionally. And it happened to be right, you know, right here in New York City at City Field, R.I.P. Shea Stadium, uh, with you know the amazing Mets. And I just I wanted to ask you if you saw that moment or what you thought about that moment and am i making too big a deal out of it i don't think you're making too big a deal out of it also let's let's make one clarification here not all republicans are trump supporters that's true that's true we always we always like say they go hand in hand and they don't necessarily go hand that's not true there's a lot of republican never trumpers including what's her face's husband what's the who's the blonde woman who just quitted kellyanne conway yeah Kellyanne Conway's husband is a never, never Trump Republican. <laughs> yeah, can't imagine and, what it's like at that at that house. Well, I mean, the daughter hates her guts too. Like, yeah, yeah. I just see like the snippets on other on Instagram and stuff, oh. but she goes hard. But now that she's out, I guess that'll stop. I mean, I guess. But anyway, anyway, I'm showing off that New Jersey shirt, man. Like, it's not cool, man. I only oh, yeah. did it to bother you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, what can I troll Royce with? And I was like, I don't really have anything in my Disgusting. closet. We're really... yeah, so Jersey did you it. Make, it you was... make yourself look bad. You're not making me look bad. <laughs> I look good. 
<laughs> just so our listeners know, I wanted to wear something that would annoy Royce. And I was like, I don't really have that much. Like, I wanted to wear like a sports jersey he wouldn't like. And I was like, oh, I got a New Jersey t-shirt. Why don't I wear my t-shirt that says New Jersey what, on it? But what possessed you to even buy a shirt that says New Jersey? I was on a road trip. I stopped at a little truck stop. And I was like, yo, that t-shirt's $10, man. I'll get that t-shirt. It should have been three. It should have been three. You're right. Um, yeah, the person who made it got paid half of one cent. So maybe that's what the rest of us should be paying for. Anyway, yeah. my point is this, right? I'm curious what that feels like. You're right. Not all Republicans are Trump fans. My only point is there are probably some players on those teams that one, don't give a shit about politics. Two, if they do care about politics, maybe they're Republicans. Three, maybe they're even Trump supporters. But they were all out there. There was like a team unity that was very touching to me. You know, there are guys that just came from the Dominican Republic last week who don't know shit about American politics, but they were like, hey, you know what? Oh, no, they know about American politics. You be, you best believe they Okay, do. whatever. You know what I mean. There are people, <laughs> it's it an international sport. There might have been somebody out there from Japan who, you know, doesn't know the intricacies of American politics, but they supported their team. It just felt like everybody it, knows about what's going on here. But everybody let's, let's get to the, the point. Cops murder black people here's, in America. Here's, here's right. another issue about this, though, that people fail to realize. Remember when David Ortiz came out? Um, years ago and was like, he realized that he was black when he was in the minor leagues, basically. Like, I don't know if he said it that way, but he basically was like, he got treated like he was a black person. He didn't get treated like he was Dominican or different. It's like, yeah. you know, you're, you're dark skinned in America. You are a black person. So I'm yeah. guaranteeing you a lot of these minor leagues, like these players come up through the minor leagues, they're in the middle of West bubble fuck nowhere in some podunk town and they have to deal yeah. with the people there. They're, they're finding out that people look at them as black people. So I think the major league baseball players, like the Latin players that are there, they find out more so than people in our own cities. That's true. Like, if you think about it this way, like if, you, if you're a Dominican player and they send you to Birmingham, Alabama to be on some team, those people in that town are looking at you like, you might speak Spanish, but you're still the N-word. Yeah. If you yeah, come here, if you come from DR and you go to Washington Heights and you're around other Dominican people who've never been any place else outside of like Dominican Republic or Washington Heights, yeah, they're not seeing what that person saw. I think that the people who play in the major leagues are well more aware than the people inside of their bubbles that are come from those countries. Yeah. They, get, they get a different person. They get a way more personal experience as, as to how this country sees them because they got to go to the places in this country that people don't normally go to. Yeah. So, I mean, so maybe if we put that into consideration, like well, maybe- okay. So I, I hear you on the point about Afro Latinos, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, you're right. They're aware of what's going on with our. But they don't even have to be Afro Latinos. I think if they're like a Latin person and they have an accent and they go to any of these towns, you ain't one of those people in the town. Yeah. You might you might come in there thinking. Okay, well, I, then, I mean, let's, let's just say it then. Let's just say the white players who are out there. I don't know any of their political leanings, but I'm thinking like I don't know. I don't know what what Syndergaard's politics are. I don't know what Jed Lowry's politics yeah, are. Listen, what, Thor is a saint. He's a saint. Okay, I don't I know don't what J.D. Davis' politics are, and I don't <laughs> want to pick on white people. I don't want to just choose all the white guys right, on the right, map right. and call them out. But, you know, I mean, like I said, our country is politically diverse. Major League players are politically diverse. I'm sure there were people up there who might have their own different feelings about this movement. It just was very touching for me to see all these faces, people from all over the world taking a stand against uh, police violence against black people. I mean, that's 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 it. Full stop. Think, it was, it was a beautiful a, thing. I think it becomes more of a personal thing than it is a political thing in that sense. Right. Like the Mets players have they have black they have a black player on the team. Dominic Smith. He cried. That's why I was asking if you were going to go to that. And then that yeah. happened after he cried on national TV. You play with this dude. You have to see him every day. 
you practice with this dude, you might go out for drinks, you joke around with him, and you see him in pain. It becomes personal at that point, more so than it yeah. becomes political. So I think maybe that has more of, a, of an effect on how it affects these players across the league. Because you remember at one point that at the Athletics, Oakland, they had they they had the only player to sit to take a knee at one point. Mm-hmm. You remember, like that was that was I, now. I think actually he might be on the Mets now. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just go. saying, like literally, so you got two guys of color on your team. I don't know about my the, the Marlins because you know I I just generally don't like that. that you state. don't like Miami. I don't. Like I don't it's not. Let's oh, not put okay. it on Miami. I don't like Florida. Yeah, real I mean, original. I, you don't like Florida. Yeah. How do you feel about Insane Clown Posse? You don't like them either. <laughs> no, nah, I, I don't mind. It. Yeah, they have a great movie called Big. If you love funny ass, stupid beat like C movie shit, go watch <laughs> Big Money Hustlers by Insane Clown Posse. That shit's a classic. It's okay, a cult classic. It's fucking hilarious. If you're a stoner. All I'm gonna say is, if how about you know, Nickelback? You know, you, you hate da, 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 everyone hates Nickelback unless you're Canadian. That's what I mean. You were like, you hate Florida, you hate Nickelback. I'm like, okay, why don't you hate on somebody that not everybody else? Like, how about I didn't hate on Insane Clown Posse when you thought I was gonna you're hate right. on them? You're right. I stand you correct. Know what I'm saying I've been correct. to a, I've been to a motherfucking Tech Non concert, bro, in Denver. All right. Can you tell me you've done that? Oh, okay. You know but I went to Tech Red Nine, Rocks. Tech Nine has Bay connections, though, so that's yeah, what it it's is. Fine, but all those other motherfuckers signed to all him. The, I didn't know those who Kansas, those All those Kansas City guys, you know, Mac Dre used to go out and do concerts in Kansas City, so they were like, they just stole all our shit, and now they pass it off as their own. Well, but that's I don't, I don't know. They, Merz is well, also signed. To, Merz is signed to that label too now. Yeah, but they so put their like own Kansas City flavor. They put their own KC barbecue flavor on it, but they, you know it has soul. It has they baby. have a variety of different rappers who I don't know who the fuck any of them are, but it was interesting <laughs> to watch because those guys like that was. All right, we're digressing way far off the point. Yeah, I was going to say, you, if you're just tuning in, we've transitioned from the sports episode <laughs> to the politics episode, and now we're going into hip hop. Interesting because I went to Denver for a football game, and this is like when the Kaepernick shit started to go off. So I actually was going to a Broncos game because what we used to do was we would travel to different states, to different states to go to the stadiums to watch teams play. So I yeah. think the Giants were playing the Broncos. And so I went out with the two of my white friends um, and I was the only black kid, but I decided when I, I when I was going out there, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go to the games. I'm, at that point, I decided I'll just go to Denver. You guys go to the games if you want, but I'm still protesting and I'm not going to go. So, but so it is sports related. Literally, I was just like, it I'm is. not supporting. I'm not supporting. Like, instead, I'm going to a Tech Nine concert. No, it wasn't instead. <laughs> so the first night we got there, we wanted to see Red Rocks, and the only thing that we could think of going like there was shows there, but the only show that seemed like it was close to relevant enough for us to go see was a fucking strange music whole day. It was like fucking I don't know how many acts they had on. We didn't stay through it. We didn't even get to see Tech Nine because it was we we were like five or six acts in and we had to go pick up a kid from the airport but it was just like i don't even i didn't know who none of these motherfuckers was i was like damn is this many people in kansas city rapping and they, like <laughs> yo, what I mean? but when i mean this stadium was packed and it was all these kids dressed like they were there for icp like insane yeah. they look like juggalos yeah. it was weird yeah. yo i never seen so much enthusiasm for rap ever and i don't <laughs> I, it's, it's the wildest shit like i've never seen a fan base so adamantly like in love with, yeah. with a rapper. Roy, Royce Wilder, Harlem native, said the most enthusiastic hip hop fans he ever saw were uh, Denver kids at a Tech Nine show. Can I quote you on that? Yes, I'm, I shit you not, bro. I've been to mad shows, yo. I go to shows. I used to go to, before COVID. I went to all types of shows. Yeah, been to mad shit. I'm telling you, I've never seen this level of enthusiasm. We picked up like 
we were driving up because you know, to, I, have you ever been to Red Rocks? You have to drive up to like the front, like you yeah, have to go yeah. from like up the mountain. So yeah. when we were going, so we some kids hitched a ride with us. And they're like, "Yo, dude, so fucking sick! You guys are gonna go fucking Tech Nine?" I was like, <laughs> we were like, "Yo, like, <laughs> yeah, man, like, you know, we, <laughs> dude, so fucking in, yo, <laughs> yo, and like, if you have, I've never seen this much energy for anything. Well, I it love it. That is, that is a very good uh, Colorado Tech Nine fan impression. I've never even met a Colorado Tech Nine fan, but I know that's exactly what he sounds like when he's excited. They were <laughs> good job, charged. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not mad at it. They had love for yeah. that shit, man. Like, you got enthusiasm is good. I like enthusiasm. And not man. when nobody black was there. So it's not no. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the, like, kind of like, like a dead press concert. And it's all white kids. And now, hold on, but that's the interesting thing about the dead press thing that I'm not going to get into, but there's a reason why I don't really fuck with them because I had heard some shit about them and I was like, oh, I'm not listening to these dudes. Like, before fine. I even listened to them, I was like, nah. I don't, know, I, I don't even want to drag. I liked yeah, that one album. Like, I was the right age when that album came out. It was part of my political awakening. You know, shout out to Dead Press. But I do always wonder what it's like to be Dead Press with the song content that you have and just look out at audiences full of white fans. Nothing wrong with that, but I just wonder what it feels oh, like. It says to me that all your groupies are... Well, well, that's a different... You know, the music industry is very complicated when it comes to fans slash super fans. <laughs> So thank you for joining us on Margin Call, where we went all the way from a boycott in response to a police shooting of an unarmed black man. And now we've arived at speculating uh, what kind of groupies Dead Press has. So this is a full. Oh, I'm not full speculating. I know. I know. But I'm not going to say anything about it. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I just want to leave. I want to say one other thing. Please, please. Parting shot. It's, I'm going back to my elephant in the room comment about Obama. I am. I was. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. I, I, I'm going to say that I was very upset by that outcome, and that all they could come up with after talking to the ex president of the United States is to open up voting, open up voting in stadiums. I don't know. Maybe there's some other things that are going to come out that they're pr- promoting, but I felt like that to me. And then after like the whole like pushing Biden, it's just like to me, it's like yo, it's like can we trust anyone? And capitalism yeah. is at the forefront of everyone's agendas, no matter who you are. And that's coming from a black man about another black man. And that to me is a scary reality in the United States. I just want to say that I'm gonna leave it at that. But anyway. Well uh, said, Roy. I think we can I think we can leave the whole show with that because that pretty much encapsulates everything we talked about today. Yeah. Well said. Well, well thank said, you for Roy. having me guys. Have me back Roy, again Roy, soon. Second race show. I can't thank you enough for being here, Royce. We'll bring you back for a hip hop episode, maybe a sports follow up show. Maybe we'll have you on for wrestling because we always want to get you oh, on and talk. Oh, y'all have wrestling and y'all don't y'all didn't even tell me about this shit. Well, it was a, it was long, a long time ago. Time but we ago. had a, a like guest who was ago. so she was so good. She's a young black woman who is just like an absolute wrestling fanatic and started oh. a whole a whole community of young black women who are wrestling fanatics. And she's just like, she's She's an encyclopedia of wrestling. And if I don't get you two on a podcast together before I die, I will have failed as a person. So well, I want to talk to her tomorrow. All right. We'll set it up. We'll set it up. <laughs> she sounds like she, she sounds like a, a, a gym. This sounds this is amazing. I didn't know she about is. this. She's very cool. She's a very cool person. Uh, I, so I was, much, in wrestling right now is in such a wild place. And it's it's weird. So right now is a great time to talk about the state of wrestling. Wrestling is always weird, I can only imagine wrestling in 2020 if, if wrestling was already as weird as I knew it to be. Well, it's, it's not just be. that. I mean, even the politics of it, like, isn't uh, Linda McMahon is on, like, is it one of Trump's yes. aides or whatever? So yes. there's just so much. It's well, so Trump himself was a wrestler, as yeah, we all he was know. Definitely, yeah. He was definitely was WrestleMania. Yeah. He was at WrestleMania. He Vince McMahon's head. 
Yeah. I mean, my God, the legacy of our president before he was elected was shaving <laughs> McMahon's head. Oh, he has a legacy of many, many things. But we're not going to talk about him. We've already talked about him talk about him. We talked about him enough. Oxygen bring me back for wrestling. Bring me back for we'll wrestling. bring you back for wrestling. Uh, before we get out of here, let me do my thank yous. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Eming, who was very patient with us tonight because, you know, me and Royce don't get to see each other that much, so we like to talk a lot, and maybe we went over time a little bit, but it's going to be a great episode. It was already a great episode, a fantastic conversation. Thank you to Eming for being very patient and making us sound good and keeping us on task as best you could. Uh, and thanks, of course, uh, to our guest Royce, his second appearance on the show. It most certainly will not be his last because we're having him back very soon to talk about wrestling. So get ready for that, listeners. Um, and of course, thanks as always to our listeners. Take care, everybody. Until next time, Quest On. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.